podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Naishad Gadani coming to you from Melbourne. And as you can see, the, my co-host Caroline Brown is not here today. So I'm driving this plane solo today with Kashif. And uh, today is our 109th episode of Career Care Package. And it's been fantastic journey so far. And our, our apologies, I think yesterday our two LinkedIn lives did not go as planned. But don't worry, we will... You know, you can always find us on YouTube, um, uh, you know, YouTube channel and, and watch those uh, those LinkedIn lives in replay mode. Uh, and uh, thank you for all those people who've been consistently watching and supporting us uh, in this amazing initiative. And we are thrilled to have Kashif uh, bounce today. Now, Kashif and I know about Kashif's work for a long time. We've been you know, virtual friends, uh, you know, also on Facebook and, you know, been watching him, uh, you know, do his work with Western Bulldogs Foundation uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, he has also done a TEDx speech, which I will put a link and I think you guys should go and listen to him out as well. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, Kashif has a background story and that's what we are interested in, uh, you know, and specifically to the international students out there who are looking for that, that pivot, who are looking for some motivation, inspiration, tune in, because Kashif has got a fantastic uplifting story, uh, you know, from an international student and where he is right now. So before, uh, you know, before we welcome your questions or anything, please feel free to drop in your questions and I will pick that up and I will ask Kashif. So welcome Kashif, thank you very much for joining us in LinkedIn Live. And I said, uh, thank you so much for having me and thank you for that wonderful introduction as well. And likewise, I've been uh, witnessing all the great work that you do and uh, what you are offering for people in terms of career advice is fantastic. I think uh, having a job is one of the biggest indicator of someone's well-being um and mental health as well so yeah keep up the good work thank you so let's begin kashif with a very simple question tell us about your your journey you know you know give us a snapshot of where did you start your career and what exactly do you do now uh so just to keep it short I, i'm originally from pakistan um I grew up in kuwait and my father he works there and um and i grew up in kuwait as well so after i finished my high school I wanted to come to Australia to study accounting and finance. And the reason I wanted to come here is because Pakistan won their Cricket World Cup at the MCG. So that's the reason why I picked Melbourne. So uh, I came here to study accounting and finance. But when I came here in 2005, there were not many Pakistani students. There, was, uh, there were not many Indians as well, but there were a lot of Indians as compared to Pakistanis. But there were not many Indians or Pakistanis, especially where I was in the south 
east, south and southern suburbs uh, and eastern suburbs. So I started to feel that there was a gap to guide international students, just like what you were doing. So I started um, uh, volunteering with some student organizations and that gave me a bit of a taste for community development. Um, so when I graduated in a, as an accountant, I started working as an accountant. I felt that my passion was in community. So I started to look for a job in community sector. My first job was uh, a part-time job, um, a casual job, not even part-time at Cricket Victoria. And that was a big step for me uh, to, as a migrant, to leave a proper job in accounting, to take up a casual role in Cricket Victoria. But I really wanted to follow my passion. And then from cricket, they had a partnership with SNN Football Club. And from SNN Football Club, I went to cricket to, to AFL Victoria, which is a state body. Then I went into a national role at AFL, which is a national body. And now I've been at the Bulldogs for the last three years. So that's just a short version. Excellent. I think, uh, you know, Kashyap, it's a, you know, it's a fantastic, you know, I, I know, I know there are many, many roller coaster rides in between what you just described in two minutes. If we can probably go back a little bit, you know, in the, in the background, you know, you came here in 2004 5, which is, which was reasonably, uh, you know, you know, uh, not that Australia, Australia did not see that amount of, you know, international student rocking up to their shores. I think it was probably two, from 2000 to 2010 or 12, I saw there was a big spike in international students coming in. What were some of your earliest experiences at work? And I think you described that in your TEDx talk very beautifully about when people ask you, where are you from? And can you, can you share us your earliest experiences of getting work in Australia and how did it make you feel? Yeah, it's funny because where we come from, generally everyone is like us. Um, and people wouldn't ask you where you're from. Maybe if you're in uh, Mumbai and you're originally from Delhi, people will ask you where you're from, but it's not that kind of question. Uh, and people don't ever ask you what religion are you, um, in, especially in Pakistan, which is very much Muslim-dominated, Muslim-majority, or they know by your name that they don't need... I think even in India, they know by your name, so they don't need to ask. Uh, but here, when I came to Australia, that was a new question for me. When people asked me, where are you from? And I was like, okay, I'm from Pakistan. And then they would say, I mean, where do you live in Melbourne? And I would say, no, I, <laughs> okay, I live in Horton. And next time someone asks you that question and you say, I live in Horton, and they say, I mean, where are you originally from? Uh, and then when people, some people, they were asking it, some people are genuinely inquisitive and they want to know more about you, but other people may have a different agenda and they ask you, where are you from? I'm from Pakistan, so are you Muslim? Yes, I am. And then sometimes their questions can take um, a racial undertone uh, or asking about why don't you go back to where you come from? And when you're doing odd jobs, as opposed to when you're in offices, you're more likely to face those questions. So I am the same Kashif. I look the same, maybe got on a little bit older, but I, I look the same, but I don't face those questions these days because now I'm in a respected organization in a very senior role. I'm moving with a different group of people, but I can guarantee you people who have, who are exactly like me, but have a different job driving taxis or working at a restaurant or a security guard, they're still facing those questions 
uh, which is which is a challenge for us as a society to overcome that racism um, and that discrimination. And that's something that I'm passionate about. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. And I'm, I want to work in community because I want the world to be a better place for all of us. Yeah, I think I think you know I think my my first instance like that was the third day of my uh, you know I, I was in Brisbane actually and uh, I was traveling back to to Melbourne to attend an interview and I was sitting at the at a at the train station to catch the train and I I remember the guy sitting uh, just a couple of you know steps behind me he started to heckle me this was my third day in in Brisbane. First of all, I didn't even understand, and I think I just could not understand. But there, were, you know, when I narrated the incident to my friends, they said, you know, you know, thank God that the train came and you had to board the train and get, you know, really took off. Otherwise, you just unnecessarily get into that. Have you had those kind of close encounters? Because you also drove taxis too, right? And ta taxis, you know, has a notorious, uh, you know, kind of, you know you know, uh, meaning attached to them because obviously there has been a lot of instances around international students and how they've been treated. Have, did you come across closely with something like that? Yeah, many, many incidents, man. And sometimes it was my own fault because I'm passionate about social justice. I'm passionate about equality and I cannot stay silent when I see injustice happening. I will not tolerate being abused. I can tolerate rude behavior to some extent and you try to ignore the people, but then there is a line that you don't want to be crossed. Um, there, there are a number of incidents. I've had someone put um, a knife on, on my neck, um, had numerous uh, physically violent incidents. A lot of the times it was not necessarily about um, who I was. It could be a, because they were drunk or they were dr on drugs or whatever it is. Uh, but I remember one incident clearly is I was driving in Melbourne City and I saw a group of young people assaulting um, an old cab driver. Um, and I could have easily just kept going straight, but I just did not have it in me when someone of my father's age is getting beaten in the middle of a busy street on a weekend night. So I pulled over my taxi, I went in and tried to, you know, break the fight and try to stop them. Everyone attacked me. Um, the whole traffic got blocked. There were helicopters, police, Channel 7, 9. It got covered. Um, uh, I got capsicum sprayed <laughs> by the police. Um, so that was quite an incident. But, um, yeah, I think we, we have a duty to stand up. Maybe that was not the right way why, the way I did it. Maybe I should have called the police. Uh, rather than putting myself in danger. But I think we need to make a stand when we see injustice. So, yeah, I've got a number of examples. That sounds pretty scary. You know, you, you explained that very simply, Kashim. That sounds pretty pretty scary to, to me and probably you know, a lot of us out there. But, you know, in your TEDx talk, you also, you know, kind of, you know, link this these questions that you got asked about, where are you from, to your identity as well. Can you elaborate on that? What exactly do you mean by that? And did you did you feel that you know that your identity was in question? Obviously, when you've never been asked where are you from and who you are, you never reflect on those questions, right? Um, and when 
people ask you those questions that I never, you know, obviously I was proud Muslim. I was, I'm a proud Pakistani. I still am proud Pakistani Australian now, but I never really reflected on what it means to be a Pakistani, what it means to be a Muslim. You just follow those rituals because you are born into a household. You're born in a Hindu family. So you became a Hindu and you do those things without questioning them. And I was born on this side of the border. So I think you guys may not be that good. So, the, the, you know, you, you're born with those things. You never reflect on those those things, those aspects. So it really gave me an opportunity to reflect on my identity. And ultimately, I felt I had two choices. Either you try to become someone you're not uh, because you're ashamed of who you are or you embrace who you are and be proud of who you are. And I'm lucky that I took the, I made the second choice. And um, yes, you have, you still have some difficult times, but once you are comfortable in your own skin and you understand who you are as a person and what your values are, life becomes a lot more easier and it's a lot more easier to navigate those tough conversations. Absolutely. Now, now tell us about your first job out of the uni. So you completed your, your graduation and now you're out there looking for a professional work. Tell us about how did you get that and what was your first role? So that's a good um, question for those who are, who have just graduated in January, February and found themselves in the middle of, middle of COVID-19. Uh, so if you look at it in January, February, in terms of Australian economy, you're probably thinking what a great place to be. Uh, I know as a general manager, when we were hiring for jobs, it was hard to find good talent because the job market was very was doing very well. So people who are graduating in February thinking, oh, my God, I'm just going to get a job like this. And then they found themselves in COVID-19, where even people with stable jobs are now uh, going through uncertain times. It was the same with me. I uh, was graduating in 2008 and the economy was doing really well. I had some job offers even in my final semester, but I thought I would go back to Pakistan, see my family, come back, then take a job because I had not been back in three and a half years. And I came back and we were in the middle of the global financial crisis. Um, so I couldn't find a job. Um, same as pandemic, it was no jobs. People were made, being, being made redundant, too much talent in the market. So what I did was, um, you know, continue to do any job that came my way. So I went back to driving taxis, security guard, working in a factory, working in a pizza shop. I did a lot of volunteering and internships. I encourage people to do that because you're in relevant field. Um, and then I finally got a job in accounting in a college in their accounts payable system. Uh, and I did that for a while. And that's where I realized that my passion was community. I wanted to work in community. So then I went back to Cricket Victoria in that casual role and started driving taxis and security at the same time to supplement my income. It took me another one year before I could get a full-time job in community sector at SNN Football Club. Um, and, but even then my income was quite low. So I was still driving taxis and doing other jobs on the side. Um, and I kept doing that for, for a period of time until I got really um, comfortable in my job. And I knew that if I even lose this job or move on, I can go to another professional job. And um, then I stopped driving cabs completely. But 
then I channeled my energy towards studying. So I went and did my MBA, um, made sure I continue to develop myself, continue to learn more things. Um, yeah, so I think people who are graduating now, it's tough time. Well, my advice to you is just don't let go of your good habits. Make sure you continue to develop yourself. Go and get another qualification. Do some short courses. Um, volunteer for any not-for-profit or even corporates. Do internships. Uh, yes, it may not pay you, but it will pay you in the long term. And remember, this too shall pass. Absolutely, Kashivif. You know, because you know, in, in in your talk, you you talk about that you found a great job to to you know to take all the migrants and international students to watch cricket. How you know, I think that's a that's an amazing job for any Indian Pakistani player. You know, resident. You know, they love that. You know, you can watch, you can take, and you know, you get paid for that. So, how did you get that kind of a job? Because I'm pretty sure there are people out there. Who will probably you know you know fight for that kind of a job? Tell tell us how did you was it through networking? Was it through somebody approached you? How did you get there? Oh look, the networking definitely plays a role, um, but it plays its role in different ways. So in this case, um, the job I would have never even known that it existed. But because I was active in international strength sector, volunteering with different organizations, uh, there used to be an organization called, I think it's still there, it's called, it was called Australian Federation of International Students. And one of their directors, she sent me that job. And she said, Cash, this might be worth looking at. And um, so that was the benefit of networking. I did not know anyone in that, um, at Cricket Victoria at the time. I did not know... Um, anyone who was involved in hiring for the job, but at least I knew someone who told me that the job existed. And then that person helped read over my, my CV as well, because my resume was an accounting resume, and this was something different. So I had to highlight a bit more of all the uh, volunteer stuff that I had done and the work I had done with the Pakistani students. Even with the Indian students, I did a lot of work, especially when the cab drivers, you may remember, back going back 10 years ago there was massive sagas around indian taxi drivers in specific um but i was one of the leaders of that protest back then um because you know someone being racist to a cab driver doesn't care if you're a pakistani or indian it's just us caring that who is who get on so i was part of that so i highlighted all of that work in my resume so that person helped me with that so in that sense networking helped me the other thing that helped me that I called that person who was hiring for the job, because when I found out about the position, it was already late. So I called them. I said, can I still apply? And they said, yeah, you can send us your resume. So those sort of little things help. And then it was a matter of just being myself in the interview, being very well prepared. I did a lot of research, read a lot about the program. Um, and when I went there, I was well prepared. And actually, I did not get the job. So well, well, I did all this work and I was ready to do all this. It's not a fairy tale. I actually did not get the job. So they called me and they said, look, we found you really impressive, um, but we've got someone else we feel is better for the job, but we want you to help that person on even more of a casual basis. So that, that, that person is already a casual part-time role, but when they need you, 
occasionally, then they can call upon you. And every single one of my friends said, say, no, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. But I said, no, nah, I want to do it. I want to get into the office. I want to see what it is about. And then they called me again. They said the other person pulled out. Can you have the job? So that's how I got it. But I think, you know, that's that's a really great story. And it's a story that I think I was, you know, we were talking last week about the planned happenstance. A lot of the things in our life happens by accident. Good things happens by accident and even bad things as well happens by accident. Now, you know, in your situation, Kashif did not go and seek for that opportunity. But he had, you know, worked so much in volunteering and networking with people that everybody knew what you know what Kashif would be great at and people were you know in reaching out to him and that is what what's the most critical aspect is is to have that you know that wider cast of the network as possible you don't know where the opportunities you know come by and i think that goes to the you know very important element around volunteering so caroline is saying that great insights for graduates and international students struggling at this time and super inspirational about how you have leveraged volunteering and networking to create and uncover a job and that is that is very very you know important now so then tell us so, so you were working with, with cricket victoria uh, and then that opened a door for you to go and work in football now you obviously are, you know i think in your talk you say that you've never went to football even before that or you did not know the rules of the let game me, and everything. So tell you, us about that let me ask you Naisha, that you got a similar background to me so what did you know about footy when before you came to australia nothing i even today i only know a couple of things one is that if the if the ball goes to the the big pillars then it's a six uh you know you get six points and if it goes to the side ones, then you get one that's pretty much it i remember my son used to play for the local footy club and you know every parent has to go and volunteer do some stuff right and once i was they put me on a boundary empiring and i said i don't even know what i'm doing right I absolutely was freaking out. I said, this is the most stressful time. If you put me in a cricket umpiring, I can still understand. Boundary umpiring, that they gave me those two flags, the, the, the white flags. And they said, no, nah, no. Nah. The one guy came and said, look, no, nah, don't worry about it. If the ball goes out, then you raise this flag and this flag and throw the ball in. And that was stressful. So, you know, that and that is still my knowledge of, of you know, how the goal, you know, goal works. That's pretty much it. So, what, what, do you have a team now? Do you follow a team? Uh, no, I don't follow a team. Nah. All right, let's say it's the Bulldogs. No, you don't have a team, so you do. You have one now. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I was exactly like any migrant because it's an Australian sport. I did not know much about football. Because I was driving taxis, I had more of an insight because I was picking and dropping a lot of people from football and they always talk to you about the game. So, when you are in the city, sport consumes you and in sport afl is just right up there just like cricket is in india or pakistan afl is in victoria or melbourne so it was all around me so i understood how big it was and how invested people were in in that game but obviously i'd never been to a game i i would turn on commentary in the taxi sometimes because my uh, my clients wanted me to so I had some idea, but I'd never been to a game, did not know much about it. But Cricket Victoria had a partnership with SNN Football Club. 
And the program that I was working on was a partnership from day, day dot. It, when I got the job, the idea was that I will do it for cricket in summer and then I will do it for SNN in the winter, taking people to footy games. So I, I literally had to learn myself and I'm still learning till this day because I did not grow up with the game. So um, I, I just had to literally watch a lot of videos, read a lot of material about SNN football club's history, their legends of the game, Kevin Sheedy and James Hurd, and what their achievements were. That was the most successful football club in terms of premierships. They had 16 premierships, all that sort of stuff. I, I literally had to learn. And then when I moved on from there um, for SNN and did the job, the next job I had at SNN, Neshed was where I actually had to teach kids how to play footy. So I had to teach myself first how to play, right? So I was, I was standing there for hours and literally I was getting paid in those days. I was getting paid maybe for 20 hours a week. I was working 80 hours a week, just learning what I was going to do in those 20 hours. So uh, I had to go to schools, primary schools. I'd never been to an Australian school. They're very different to schools in Pakistan. So I had to go into a school and present to young young kids about the game, talk to them about it practically, then show them how to play it. So I had to literally act, uh, train myself to be a teacher and a coach at the same time in a sport that I know, knew nothing about. And that's where hard work. You obviously have to have people that believe in you. So my managers believed in me, but I literally had to put a lot of effort standing in front of a mirror, making videos of myself, how I was doing, and then being smart. So ultimately, I figured out I'll go to school, and out of 20 kids, there are two or three who are really good footballers already. So you go to them and say, who thinks they've got a very good kick? And you get them to teach other kids. So you are not putting yourself in that situation. Um, and that's how I sort of got by. Yeah, that, that's right. I, I think, you know, at least, you know, Indians and Pakistanis are good with delegation of responsibilities. You know, I can I can absolutely agree with it. And, uh, you know, I think it takes it. And that's what's what's really what's really interesting in this that, you know, you, you, you get paid 20 hours, but you work for more than hours just because, you know, and that's what I, I we keep on telling about about this, you know, that you you don't know, you know, you, you know, you did not know the game and everything else, but you took a challenge, you know, you threw the head on the other side of the wall. If you threw the head on the other side of the wall, you'll have to go and get it. But if you think that, oh, maybe, you know, I don't think so, I can do that. And then you will probably lose on that opportunity. So I think, I think that is what the learning is out of that. Shikha is saying that, wow, Kashif, your story is pretty inspiring. And Caroline Brown, thank you for correcting me. Yes, they are called goalposts. I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I, I'm still not fully Australian. That's what it, it says. And Balin is saying that we find a way to do things in a simplest way. Absolutely, it is possible. Now, so let's move move forward. Then, then in that, you know, then you kind of connect the whole thing, sports and community development, and you also outline. Because there are moments in life that you suddenly find, you know what, this is the direction. I think this was I was searching for for many, many years. And I love what I'm doing. This is not a work anymore. This is my life now. Tell us about those. Was it a, was it a moment or was it a series of incidences? 
or just your experience and then allowed you to say, you know, I can see a great path for my life here? Look, um, yeah, I think there was definitely a series of moments or a series of moments that led me to question my identity that then led me to find my purpose. And my purpose was I wanted to build bridges. I wanted people to understand each other. I wanted people to understand that there is just one race and that's the human race. That's the most important thing. And I found that sport was the most powerful vehicle to achieve that, especially in a country like Australia, which is sports mad. We punch above our weight, uh, be it in Olympics, be it in Commonwealth Games, only 20, 25 million people. But our medal tally is right up there. Any sport in the world, even kabaddi or whatever it is, it's played in Australia with passion and with gusto. So I felt that, yes, I'm passionate about community and the best way to achieve community outcomes, in my, my, my opinion, in Australia were through sport. Now, there will be a point in time where my, I might outgrow sport and, you know, I might want to do something else. But I know that my purpose will not change. My purpose will always be making our world a better place, working in community, helping people, helping try to uh, solve social problems and making social impact. So it was a series of moments that sort of took me, but I had to do some reflection. Uh, and that's important for, for everyone to reflect on what they want to do, what they want to be known for. Once I reflected, then I was prepared to let go of a higher paycheck. Then I was prepared to work in for 80 hours. Then I was prepared to put myself in the unknown and put myself outside of my comfort zone and willing to, to give it a crack. And that's what I encourage others to do as well. I think if you're, they say, if you're passionate about something, then you don't have a job. It's just something that you love to do. And that's where I am. Yes, there are some things that I have to do as a part of my job, which are not pleasant, but overall, I'm, I'm very happy with, with the position that I'm in. I think that's very important. And I, I think another thing that you rightly pointed out is, is that right now it's a sports is a vehicle that you're using. Um, you know, tomorrow it could be something else. And, and that is very important that you are, you know, sometimes we get, you know, really boxed into that this is my role. And we sometimes lose the focus on the bigger purpose that we are kind of fulfilling. And if you are focused on the purpose, then this becomes just a vehicle. Similar to me, you know, I, I like to make change in people's life and career as I see is a vehicle for me. It's not whatever that I do, uh, you know, will have an impact on people's life. And I see career as as a simply a vehicle that allows me to do. So that's really great. Another point I would like to make on that is some people think, OK, this is just a point in time. I want to be uh, a top software engineer or I want to be the best doctor in the world, but I'm just driving taxis for now or I'm just driving, working at McDonald's for now. And they don't do that job well. And I think that's a big mistake people can make. No matter what your end goal is, everything that you do, you should do it to the best of your ability. Now, today this chat with me may not link directly to my future goal, but I need to go and get my suit on, get in front of you, do my hair, present myself well, because I'm representing Kashif Bonds. It's my brand. It's my brand. So no matter what you're doing, 
it's your brand. So I would encourage people, no matter what your end goal is, always do your best in whatever you do. Yeah, that is absolutely, absolutely critical. And Poonam is saying they're very, very inspiring, uh, you know, story. So, uh, so you know, Kashif, tell us about your current work that you do. You know, and and I know that you do a lot of, as Western Bulldogs Foundation, you guys do a lot of work in youth leadership and specifically from people from disadvantaged background. Tell us about some exciting work that you've done. Something that you that feels that I think you also share a story in in your tedx talk you know share that story because that's a very powerfully moving story i think there are a number of stories that come out of sport and community and i could sit here telling stories from from you know morning till till night there are just that many stories that inspire me every day to do the work that i do um firstly i would say anyone here who does not have a football team because they're a migrant or they're from another state bulldogs is the right team get behind us um uh, and those who are from Indian or Pakistani heritage, there is an added bonus. Um, the CEO is Indian, and obviously I'm the CEO of the foundation. I'm Pakistani as well, so we got that connection going. Uh, but most importantly, Bulldogs is a values-driven club, and to be honest, all 18 AFL clubs, they've got a very strong community presence, which is a credit to the AFL overall as an industry. But within that, the Bulldogs have always being the community club of the AFL. The reason being they've been the only club in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, you look at all the other clubs, they're on the other side of the city. Uh, but on the west of Melbourne, there's just the Bulldogs. And west of Melbourne was historically a bit disadvantaged. Uh, there was um, So the Bulldogs became that club that where, where the community gathered and they were the lifeblood of the community. And that has stayed with the club. Uh, throughout its 150 years of history, where they've been um, at the same venue in Footscray, being part of the community. So that's why we've got a community foundation, which is a not-for-profit arm of the club. So it's like a social services organization, um, like Red Cross or Save the Children, using the power of sport to do social good. Uh, and we've got um, three different areas where we run programs. We've got health and well-being where we run a program called Sons of the West, which is about men's health, uh, which is actually running now. So you can go on the Western Bulldogs Community Foundation website and find more information. Then we have a Daughters of the West for, program, which is for adult women that will start in October. Uh, we have diversity programs, which are for newly arrived migrants and indigenous communities as well. Again, they're on our website. And then we got a lot of youth development programs working with young people. And that's another thing I want to say. Um, a lot of migrant families are very focused on academic excellence. Now, I don't know about you, uh, Naishid, but I was not academically gifted, especially in my, maybe I was gifted, but I never used that gift. I was more interested in, in mucking around and playing around, right? I, I only took my studies seriously when I came to Australia and maybe because I was paying my own fee, that was the reason, I don't know. But um, in especially in Australia and even in general, soft skills are becoming very important. How you talk to people, how what's your leadership, what's your communication style, how you influence people, those things are very important. So those leadership programs for young people, a lot of migrants think that they're a waste of time, but actually they're not. 
they're as important as your academic results. So we do a lot of uh, youth development programs. Some of them are for open to anyone and other ones are specific to indigenous community or African Australians. They're also available on our website. So um, yeah, if anyone want, knows any young people, you can refer them into those programs. But similarly as a migrant, who is going to give you a job? If you're going to hang around with Pakistanis or Indians um, who, are, who came at the same time as you, they're probably going to point you to the same odd jobs that they do. So it's important for you to network with communities who have been here longer, even if they're Pakistanis, talk to Pakistanis who have been here for 10 years because they will be at a different stage, different life cycle, cycle of their settlement and also build networks with people from other communities um, and, and the broader mainstream Australians because they are the ones who are going to show you how to excel in this country because they've been here longer. They know the system. So programs like Sons of the West, Daughters of the West, they're great for your mental well-being and physical activity, but also for networking. All those free programs that the Bulldogs offer or your local council offer or anyone else offers, join those programs, build your networks. You never know where your next opportunity will come from uh, and what you will be able to offer as well. So no matter where you are, what point in your life you are, Bulldogs got a program for you, but even if not, wherever you are do whatever you need to do and um, um and try to build those networks and connections such a great advice balin is saying that cash to be cash to be honest um i was very happy when western bulldogs won afl i thought it was a moment like india or pakistan winning cricket world cup which changed the game in subcontinent absolutely and sarah is saying good tips on on you know for networking so Kashi, before we wrap up, are there anything else that you want to tell people that are specifically to those young upcoming people who are kind of right now struggling to get, you know, get into the market or get, you know, how do they find some of the, some of the, I, I think I really like the word that you use that don't, don't give up on the habits, because I think that that plays a massive role in a day to day, uh, you know, activities that you do and how you go about and doing, doing your work. Can you tell us, you know, can you leave our listeners with some of the other things that you think that people should do right now? Uh, look, um, advice is easy to give um, and it's not always easy for people to implement. Um, firstly, I think it's very important to try and have a positive outlook and remember there is light at the end of the tunnel. We know, even with COVID, we know that... Um, in some countries, they've already beaten it. Even in Pakistan now, lockdown is almost over. I hope it stays that way. Uh, but um, um, so the, the economic um, activity in Pakistan, I was looking at the, all our northern areas where people go for holidays, there are roadblocks and there's just that much traffic. So economic activity will rebound pretty quickly once this is over. So what can you do in the meantime to stay sharp? I think looking after your well-being, looking after your mental well-being and looking after your physical well-being is number one and those who are around you. So how are you going to stay mentally active? What can you read? What can you learn? What can you watch that is going to develop you as a person? Uh, what new habits that you can pick? And then physically, how do you use that one hour of exercise if you're in Victoria, going for a walk, doing yoga, doing meditation, doing some exercise, those things are very important and checking out on people around you 
um, and making sure you're talking to people. So your social connection is very important. Um, so I think personally, those things are very important. And then beyond that, um, I'm a big believer on controlling the controllables. Um, and there's a lot of literature out there. You have a circle of um, control and a circle of concern. So circle of concern is what is Modi doing in India? Or what is Scott Morrison doing in Australia? There's nothing you can do about it. When the vaccine will come, um, all those sort of things are beyond your control. When the visa officer is going to make a call on your visa, uh, what is going to be the, on the occupational list? One, when is calls going to start new hiring? Absolutely no point worrying about those things. Um, they're all in your circle of concern. What's in your circle of control? What are the things you can control? That your habits, your outlook, your attitude, those things are very important. So if you work on your circle of control, what you would find over time, your circle of control would expand and you will actually even be able to influence things which are beyond your control initially. So I would just, my advice will be just try to stay positive, look after yourself and try to control the things that you can control and try not to worry about things that are beyond your control. Easy said than done, but you got to work on it. Kashif, I, I think that's a, such a beautiful way to put that circle of concern and circle of control. Kashif, thank you very much for joining us. You know, and, and we really loved, I think that uh, that's what the comments are saying. Their, their stories are really inspiring and that's what we wanted to leave our listeners with is that inspirational story that it's possible for someone who came here as an international student, did the odd jobs and now, you know, he is working on you know, changing lives of people through sports. You know, Kashi, thank you again and more power to the work that you guys are doing. Thanks, Anishad. And you, as you said at the start, feel free to share my TED Talk with people as well. And um, and they, I'm happy for people to connect with uh, via LinkedIn as well. Keep up the good work, you too, Anishad. Thank you very much. And yes, tomorrow we will be back, me, Caroline, and Karen Thompson from Perth will be back where we are talking about four hours that, uh, that uh, you know, kind of impact your career success, resume, reputation, relationships, and uh, the, the fourth one, I forget. Uh, but we will be talking about four hours of career success tomorrow, 3 p.m. Melbourne time. Until then, if you are in Melbourne or if you are in Victoria, don't forget to put your mask on when you go outside. If you are anywhere else, just make sure you look after yourself and your loved ones. See you later, everyone. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au. And if you have got a question about today's episode, or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.